Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, December 17th. I'm Erica Pandey, filling in for Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Google is in the antitrust crosshairs. Plus, the downward spiral of public life. First, though, the great American economic chasm is today's one big thing. So I want to share two statistics I read in the Washington Post yesterday that pinpoint the two Americas we're living in right now. On the one hand, 45 of America's 50 biggest public companies turned a profit during the pandemic. But at the same time, nearly 8 million Americans fell into poverty. Felix Salmon is Axios' chief financial correspondent, and he's here to help us make sense of this. So Felix, the unemployment and poverty numbers tell us that working people are experiencing a recession. Why aren't CEOs living that too? Well, some of them are, right? Just because you're turning a profit doesn't mean that your profits aren't down. So you kind of expect, especially in a recession like this one, where the big win and the small lose, for the biggest companies to be making some kind of a profit. Now, there were definitely big companies that are losing money, like Disney lost all of its revenues from theme parks, and Boeing lost all of its revenue from selling planes. Most of the companies it is true, are making more money than they thought they would at the beginning of the recession, and maybe more money than when they started laying people off. They thought they were going to start losing money, and it turns out that they didn't. Big corporate America is really doing just fine right now. So it's clear that the health of the markets and of big U.S. companies isn't a good bellwether for people's financial reality. What numbers should we be looking at to better understand the state of the economy right now? So the big one is always GDP. 70% of GDP is consumers. You can see what people are spending. You can see how much money people are earning. And right now it looks like GDP isn't going to get back to its pre-crisis levels for at least another year. Has corporate America always been this disconnected from working America? Did the pandemic exacerbate that? The pandemic has totally exacerbated that. I just reported on some new numbers showing that more than 30% of women are unemployed if you consider unemployment to be, you know, wanting to get a full-time job and not being able to. So you have this huge underemployment problem and that just gives zero bargaining power to workers and gives all of the bargaining power to companies who can cut workers, who can pay lower wages and who can basically keep all of the money for themselves. So Felix, I did want to talk about those numbers you reported. So what you're saying is the unemployment rate for women that I see reported out is not the true figure. Can you take me through that? The unemployment rate for women is officially 6.1%. In reality, if you count people who want a full-time job but can't find one, and if you count people who are earning less than $20,000 a year, which is definitely in that poverty range, it's five times higher. Officially, unemployment for women has gone down in the month between October and November. According to the true unemployment figures, which are produced by this organization called LICEP, it went up in that month. In other words, whatever recovery we've seen from the depths of the recession, that's over now. Felix Salmon is Axios' chief financial correspondent. Thanks, Felix. Thanks, Erica. 
We'll be back in 15 seconds with the latest antitrust lawsuit against Google. Welcome back to Axios Today. Last Wednesday, the Federal Trade Commission and attorneys general of 48 states and territories announced parallel antitrust lawsuits against Facebook. One week later, Google is in the same boat. This time, 10 states are suing, with Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton leading the charge. This Goliath of a company is using its power to manipulate the market, destroy competition, and harm you, the consumer. Ashley Gold is a tech reporter at Axios. So tell me, how is this lawsuit against Google different from the one we saw last week against Facebook? So this lawsuit against Google specifically has to do with Google's total grip on the advertising technology market. What we saw with Facebook was that the state attorneys general were accusing that company of acquiring so many other companies that they became too big and too powerful and started to control all of what we do on social media. Why are states playing such an activist role in regulating big tech? So state attorneys general love to say that they pick up the baton where the federal government fails and that there are consumer protection and competition laws on a state level that we don't have on a federal level. And the state AG say, hey, we can move faster. So Ashley, are we going to see Amazon get hit next? I've been expecting that there will be something coming for them. However, the Federal Trade Commission was a little too busy with Facebook to give the Amazon case the attention it needed to maybe come to fruition this year, but we're, we're certainly on the lookout. Ashley Gold covers tech policy for Axios. How many times during this pandemic have we heard our friends or coworkers say, I can't wait for things to go back to normal? But all of the quote-unquote normal things we're used to might not be there when this is over. Brian Walsh is Axios's resident futurist. Brian, you're saying that our pandemic-era abandonment of something like public schools is a vicious cycle. Can you explain how that works? Well, public schools, when they lose students, they lose funding. And you've actually lost a lot of students in big school districts like Chicago. Thousands of students no longer enrolled. Now, a lot of students have left from public schools to to private schools where you're more likely to get in-person education. And It's one thing if, okay, this is a temporary situation, they all go back next year, everything goes back to normal. But the reality is that I think a lot of parents are going to take away from this experience that maybe they can't trust that that these schools are going to handle this. And so if you see those kids not coming back, funding drops over time. And you end up with just a, a core group of students whose parents don't have the financial options to try something else. They're getting worse service. And that leads to the decay of one of the few institutions in America that actually try to ameliorate these economic and class differences we have that have also been really intensified by the pandemic. So I've been covering remote work a lot during this pandemic, and technology has made that so much more comfortable. How is tech playing into this cycle? I think tech is pulling us and keeping us at home because suddenly it's easier to work if you have the kind of job where you can do that. You can take advantage of tools like Slack, like Zoom. And it's also entertainment is right there. You know, streaming has proliferated during the pandemic. So put all that together. It's frankly pretty nice to stay at home. And so you have that pull at the same time public life gets worse. That's going to intensify the kind of situation I'm talking about here. So, Brian, it's clear that our habits are changing. What are the stakes for our society here? I think this matters for our society because there are things that can only be created if we actually meet 
in a community in real life where there's a sense that people of all backgrounds are sharing certain kind of public institutions actually have a stake in society that they can actually demonstrate face-to-face. The more we are literally not seeing each other face-to-face, it contributes to the sort of polarization because the technologies we've built on the internet and the online world are really meant to be personalized. We all have a different Netflix queue, and that's great. But at the same time, we do have to remember that we do share a lot of things. We share a country, we share a planet, we share a community. And maybe it's a little amorphous, but I do think we'll see serious consequences if we allow these shared institutions to kind of go down the drain, essentially, because they couldn't survive the pandemic and people were pushed out. Brian Walsh authors Axios's future newsletter. That's all we've got for you today. You can reach our team at podcast at axios.com or reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is Erica underscore Pandy. Thanks for listening. Have the best day and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.